Welcome to Dollars and Cents, creating your fulfilled life with Nicole Romito from Private Vista. In this podcast, we draw from years of experience as well as guest specialists to help you create the life you imagine. Join us in this journey as we enlighten and empower you to align your lifestyle to help you achieve your goals with a clear picture of your future. Now, let's get to the show. Hello, and welcome to Dollars and Cents with your host, Nicole Romito. Nicole, how are you doing? I'm doing great today, Eric. How about you? I am doing fantastic. I know that you have another guest on the show. This is what you specialize in. Who do you have on the show? Today, I have joining me uh, Stephanie Link. She is the Chief Investment Officer for Hightower Advisors, and we're going to discuss uh, a year-end market update. So I think we'll... Yes, I agree. All right. Well, Stephanie, thank you so much for being on the show. Nicole, you are an amazing host. I can't wait to hear what you guys have to say. Great. Thanks, Eric. So, Stephanie, before we jump into the topic at hand, um, I want to take a moment just to share your bio with our listeners. As I mentioned, Stephanie Link is joining us today. She joined Hightower in July of 2020 as the CIO or Chief Investment Officer uh, or Strategist. She is the Portfolio Manager for the Equity Income Strategy And prior to joining Hightower, she was a senior managing director and head of global equities research at Nuveen, where she managed $3.7 billion within the equity income strategy. She also served as the CIO at The Street, co-portfolio manager of Jim Cramer's Charitable Trust, and managing director of institutional sales and director of research at Prudential Equity Group. With over 30 years of experience managing money, Ms. Link's insights are frequently sought after for industry events and by the media. You may have seen her as a CNBC contributor on several of their shows, including the Halftime Report, Closing Bell, and Squawk Box. So, Stephanie, thank you so much for taking time to join me and our listeners today. Thank you so much for having me, Nicole. It's great to be here. Absolutely. So one more thing, you know, we just talked about kind of the highlights of your career, and there's been many, and I'm sure there's many that weren't included there. But did you know, as a young woman or young girl, did you always want to work in the finance industry? Well, it's a a good question. And yeah, I've been around for a really long time, Uh, a lot of gray hair and wrinkles along the way, for sure. But I guess I was uh, very fortunate growing up, my entire family, they were in the business as financial advisors, many of them at a little company that no longer exists called Dean Witter. And yes, uh, now you're taking me back. (laughs) Yes, a long, long time ago. Um, And I really didn't know what it was that they did. But they always talked about stocks and the market like over dinner, over lunches, or just in casual conversation. And it piqued my interest in terms of what they did, because what it sounded to me at the time as a very young person, uh, it sounded very engaging and that there was something new that they learned every day about markets in general. But then they also had the pleasure of meeting really wonderful people, meaning their clients. And uh, so I kind of thought it was an interesting observation. And I was, uh, as an intern, one summer, I did do some cold calling for one of my family members. And I, I said, you know, maybe this actually isn't for me. However, <laughs> I still wanted to, to do something in the finance community. And so uh, my father was a very senior manager at the firm for many, many years. And he simply said to me, 
do whatever it is that you want to do in life, but make sure that you enjoy it and that you work really hard and that you feel really good about the efforts that you're making in terms of whether it be clients or yourself or learning or teaching people, mentoring and coaching. And so when I got to college, so I went to Boston College and I was a finance major. And uh, by the way, after four years of being a finance major, I did not know what I wanted to do, but I did know that I wanted to be part of what was felt, felt very exciting and and being in the finance capital of the world at the time, that was New York City. And I still believe that to be the case. Things have changed over the years, but I think the excitement in the finance community in New York City is um, is just an amazing experience. And so I'll tell you a funny story, and then we can get back to what it is that you'd like to chat about more specifically. Sounds I'll great. Funny, I'll tell you a funny story. So my very first interview after college, as I mentioned, I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I wanted to be in New York. And so I was very fortunate to meet someone uh, at a, a bulge bracket financial services firm. And I knew I had 30 minutes to meet and it was in, on the institutional sales desk. And who even knew what the institutional sales desk was? Basically, it it was marketing what this firm and their analysts had to offer to the buy side, which is hedge funds and mutual funds and pension funds and and, and people like myself who run money and uh, professionally. And so I was interviewing as a to be an assistant and uh, just to start on a trading desk. And I walk into the, the into the trading floor of five hundred people. About mm. 497, Nicole, were men, and there were about three women. And that just wow. tells you that just tells you how far, you know, how far ago, how long ago I entered into, into the business. Anyway, so right. I wanted to convey, and it's something that I tell a lot of people about because it really is something that struck home with me for a very long time, was I met the head of institutional sales, and he'd been in the business for a very long time and a very senior. And uh, I said, okay. So I I walk into his office. I knew I only had 30 minutes. So I did all my homework. I knew what I, I had some stock picks. I had some market thoughts. I had all the, all, all my homework done. Love and it. he said, well, Stephanie, what, what is it that you like to do for fun? And I said, oh no. I'm like, really? For fun? You're asking me this as my first question in the interview. And did so you say opened, research stocks? <laughs> I should have. <laughs> but so I decided to be honest, to be, to be completely blunt. Okay. But uh, I said, well, I like to run. And he oh. said, uh, he said, oh, he's like, well, that's interesting. And then he goes on and he asked me, well, where do you run? And do you run outside? And what time of the day do you run? And oh, by the way, what sneakers do you wear? And do you run with people? And he gets on and on and on for about 20 minutes into this 30 minute interview that I had. Right. And I said, oh, this is not going well. Nicole, I thought, oh, I'm never getting this job. Are you kidding me? We're right. talking about running. Well, he's like, are out, you asking me to run out of your office, sir? Right. <laughs> right. So after 20 minutes, he, he uh, I come to find out that he too is a runner. And in fact, he lived about an hour and a half away from New York City. And he used to get up at, at 3.30 in the morning every day. And he would run outside in the rain, in the snow, in the cold, in the heat before he would get ready for work and go to work. And I thought, wow, that that's sort of interesting. But there are two things that I learned. Number one, that I was definitely not as ambitious on running as he was at the time, because I would be running at any time of the day or whenever it fit in my schedule. But two, he was asking me about in questions that weren't obvious, he was asking about what my how what was what were my goals and why was I motivated and what uh, what did it take to to really overcome some of the days, the really tough days. 
that you don't want to run, what does it take to, to start to run and to continue on a regular basis? And why did I think being fit was important? And all that kind of thing. And so he was asking me questions that I answered very honestly. And he learned more about me, I think, in those 30 minutes than I would have imagined. Anyway, long story short, I wound up getting the job. I was going to say, did you get the job? Okay. Exciting. But I'll never forget that story. And oh, by the way, I now run not at 3.30. I used to run at 3.30 in the morning. But now I still get up every day at about 4, 4.30, and I start my day with a run. And it's really a wonderful feeling, and I think about wow. it very often. Yeah, so it's these little life lessons that I think are sort of fun. I agree. And and I couldn't agree more. I mean, I'm on the, you know, the direct facing client side. So talking to the end clients who were your client, but then we're used talking with the end client. And I often find, you know, people, yeah, they want to talk about their portfolio or things like that. But what they really, what we spend the bulk of our time, especially when we're meeting with newer clients or getting interviewed to see if we're going to be hired, is, you know, what does money mean to you? How how did you get here? What are you trying to accomplish with it? And so it's so much more than just, you know, how much in large cap value or small cap international and things like that. But how do you really put together the puzzle so it's supporting what you're trying to do for yourself and your loved ones? Well, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's about getting to know your client, but also having them become friends and yes. having them build, you, you, you know, you're building trust with them and they're building trust with you. And so it's very, very important. In fact, when I was in institutional sales and I had happened to have been on that side of the business for 16 years, okay. it was my, they, my clients became my friends because I didn't have a lot of time to have friends. Right. So it was very rewarding. And not only was it fun to get to know my clients and and they felt the same. It was, well, I learned a lot from them along the way. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I often find too, especially during, um, you know, our current environments, not just in the markets, but kind of the world at general, there's so much unknown. Uh, it's very fluid that I sometimes often feel like a financial therapist uh, <laughs> sure. more than a financial planner. So yes, that is very true. But again, it's all about trust because there's so yes. many people that think they know how they want to invest and they just need, they just need someone to talk to. Yeah. To guide them, right? So and 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 oftentimes too to to do a little bit of the hand holding and saying, yes, I understand, you know, we're in that part of the market cycle where no one likes it, but let's go back to your overall financial plan. And are you right. still on right? Are you still on track? Right. Um, maybe, maybe you are, maybe you aren't, but let's just look at it in the context of what's going on with you, not pick your benchmark or your technical indicator or what the Fed's doing or things like that. And it's nice for them, your clients, to know that you're keeping an eye out on their portfolios. Yes. The fact that you're recognizing, hey, it's been a couple of years or every year you kind of review, but maybe it's been a couple of years since your goals have changed, to your point. so Uh, Right. That's a great point, Stephanie, because we'll say not only, you know, because sometimes we're like, well, I'm going to do my plan. And then, you know, I'm I'm pretty goal oriented or I'm good at working my to-do list. But it's not only like staying abreast of what's going on in the external world, but you made a great point. I mean, we're all human beings and we continue to evolve as we go through life. So Mm -hmm. absolutely. Yeah. And it's kind of nice, like, 
for a long, long time, I, I tried, you know, I, I would work very hard, but there's nothing that is better than having the experience and the perspective. And so now you and I both have, we've been in, a, in the business for such a long time that we yes. do have that. It takes a while to learn that too, right? And you and you make mistakes every once in a while, but you learn. Yeah, we're all human. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, agreed. Agreed. And I, I think though, I love that you, that we're highlighting the human side of it because what, each of us does. It comes with a big responsibility. I mean, people are are trusting us to to help advise them on how to invest their funds that they've worked hard for. You know, I know I'm helping answer the question of, you know, when can I stop working? Um, is it okay to help the kids out? Or I want to make a big donation to my to a charity I support. So it's a big responsibility, but it really does come back to, you know, having a strategy that you can stick with both during the good times and the bad times. And then just knowing, like you said, that you have someone that truly cares about you as a person that's Mm -hmm. guiding you and advising you. Well, you know, because it's not all about numbers, right? And performance. We do want to make clients money. We do want to make our clients smarter and we want to make them happier and that sort of thing. But it's, it's the whole, it's the holistic approach that you at at your firm and that you take, right. And that's your your approach. It's, it's the whole thing. It's not just one little piece. And, and that's something that I think your client should be, should have a lot of comfort in. Um, yes. as well as the trust for sure. I agree. And that's small aside is that's why um, we named our firm Private Vista is because yeah. it's, you know, what's your whole private vista that you're trying to achieve given the wealth that you have? I love that. That's fabulous. I did not Thank- know that. That's oh, terrific. excellent. Yeah, that's Thank you. Terrific. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, with with that, why don't we get into, you know, as we said, we're we wanted to kind of touch base. It's it's been a year, if you will, and, and we're not we're not done with it. But um, you know, we've had lots, lots of activity going on with the Fed steadily increasing interest rates, inflation still staying strong. I know, as I mentioned, you're on the equity income side of the portfolio, but obviously we're all aware that not only is the stock side of the portfolio, but your traditional fixed income side is down. You know, we have stuff with supply chain, war in Ukraine. I mean, pick pick your part of the world, right? There's a lot going on. What would you like to touch on first? Do do you want to start with maybe the Fed and and what we've seen them do and any thoughts or what yeah, how you're well, thinking and, about that? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, because the Fed is obviously at the crux of this whole thing. But yes. but to your point, and uh, you mentioned a whole bunch of things and, and <laughs> probably missed are, a few. This is well, you know, it's interesting because it's been a year of unknowns, is, is yes. what I would say, right? And it Agreed. certainly surrounds the Fed, but it it surrounds the economy, the economy slowing, the global economy slowing, the war, what's happening with inflation. And just the unknowns of, okay, the Fed is in fact raising rates for the first time in a very long time. And the speed at which has been something we have not seen in a very long time. In fact, Nicole, there are some people, I will tell you, that that run money, both fixed income and equities, that have never seen a tightening cycle from the Fed. 
right? They've never right. seen they've never seen inflation this bad. I gotta tell you something. In the seventies, I was I was like three or four years old, right? I mean, I'm sure you yep. were too. Well, exactly. So we, we remember a little bit of it, but to to really be entrenched in this kind of inflation is something we have not seen in quite some time. And so, it's all of these unknowns are the reasons why the markets, both equities and fixed income, are down double digits. So I think. So here's the thing. The last three years, the S&P 500 was up 28% on a compound annual growth rate. It was, I wouldn't say it was easy, but easier to make money. Even if you didn't beat benchmarks per se, you basically were up in the equity markets. Everybody felt smart. Everybody felt like right. they could pick stocks. Well, yep. why would I pay an advisor? I'm right. doing I'm doing my fine on own on that's my own right. with my that's low cost right. index funds. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. So, so the... But the reality is the long-term average in the S&P 500 is about 7 to 8% per year. Uh, so that is not a bad number by any stretch, but 28% no. is not normal. And I think people thought that that was normal. And the reason why we were up so much is because you had not only the Federal Reserve being very, very lax and loose and accommodative in monetary policy, meaning rates, as well as balance sheet and that sort of thing. But you, you, know, you also had um, a lot of fiscal uh, policies that were put in place that we have, if you combine the two, monetary and fiscal policies, it was at one point 60% of US GDP, 60%. Wow. Now you go back to the last financial crisis, it mm -hmm. was, if you, if you added fiscal and monetary policy, it was 5%. That was the crisis, the great financial crisis. This this was different. This was we had to shut the economy down and it was a crisis for sure, but it was a different kind of crisis. And so you had I give an A plus to the government, and to Fed when they had to really be accommodative. The problem is the Fed kind of over they kind of like. Oh, you know, oh, overstayed their welcome, if you will. Sure. Uh, they should have been they should have seen that inflation. A lot of it anyway is not transitory. It's a lot more sticky and it, yep. and they should have been acting a year ago at this time. So anyway, fast forward. So here we are. OK, a lot of unknowns, as you said, markets are down. I often say I think people expect to have good years and bad years in the equity markets, but they sure don't expect to be down double digits in fixed income. So I think people no, are afraid no. and they don't know what to do. And here's what I would say, Nicole. And as you know, I'm a CNBC contributor, as you mentioned. Yes. Turn off the TV. Turn it off. Everybody turn the TV off and everyone just go to Nicole and her team and talk to them about the long term plans, which I'm sure you are doing. But Absolutely. The, but the TV, you know, while I love being on, on shows, they love <laughs> they love to be negative. You know, right. negativity sells. So yep. there are unknowns. We will get through this. The, the only issue at hand at this point in time is we hope that the Fed can engineer a soft landing. Uh, the problem is they're raising rates so fast, it takes about nine months for higher rates and lower rates to get into the economy. So we're talking about 2023 as seeing a slower growth environment. That being said, uh, Stephanie, the, yeah. I want to interrupt. What are your thoughts? And I know you don't have the magic eight ball, um, but what are your thoughts on the likelihood of the Fed being able to engineer the soft landing? So uh, it's a good, it's a great question. If you go back to 1930, whenever they were raising rates, 
they only engineered a soft landing 10% of the time. So they have a very bad track record. Yep. That being said, though, you know, if, if even if we had a recession, even if it's a mild recession, okay, so that's a couple of quarters of negative growth, we'll slow down. And then the slowdown will help the inflation picture, the Fed will stop tightening. In mm -hmm. fact, maybe they start easing. And so the problem is we're not going to know until sometime in the beginning, the mid part of 2023, because we're not going to know the impacts of all of these higher interest rates on the economy. I'll just tell you now, I think it's either, you know, it's a slow, it's a slow growth. Uh, 2023, it's going to be much slower than 2022, or it is a recession, but I'm not afraid of it, especially given that the market is a discounting mechanism. And we're down 20% already. And many, right. many stocks are down even more. And again, we, we both mentioned the fixed income market down double digits. Uh, right. You know, we're, we're discounting a lot of bad news. And so I don't think we should be afraid of a recession. I think as, as I think we we will, but the Fed is not trying to engineer a recession. They're trying to get inflation down. The one right. very big bright spot, very big bright spot is the job market. It's still very strong. Job openings, we have more job openings that are available in the country than unemployed people. That's a big statement, right? right. So if you want a job, I, didn't, yeah. I, I thought I saw a stat that for every I'm going to re I always do this backwards. Um, for, if for every job opening, there's two, like there's two unemployed people. Yes. Two right? to three. Yes. Yes. Oh, yes. Two yes. To three. Okay. It's, and so that just speaks to, if you want a job, you can get a job and oh, by right. the way, you can get a higher paying job. You can get a good job. Right. Can, yes. And benefits. So, yes. And, right. And, 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 and wages are going higher. Their yes. wages are up about five and a half percent. So, so you can get a job if you want one. You can get paid more if you want one. The problem is inflation is certainly eating into your income. And I get that for sure. But I do think that the job market is so critical. Watch that. If I could tell anyone anything to look at, watch the job market, because if the job market decides all of a sudden to roll over, well, then that's going to add more negative momentum to the economy. If the job market can hang in there, I think there's a shot we can we can have a soft landing or we could just skirt by uh, with a very mild recession. You know, as Barry Dillard, who is the chairman of IAC, he said it this morning on TV and I thought it was interesting. You know, we we had three years of excess liquidity across the board, as I mentioned, fiscal and monetary. Yeah. And now it's time we have to pay the bill. Yep. Right. And so that's okay. We have there to. There is the no bill. free lunch. That's yeah. right. Exactly right. So not to be afraid of it, but just to kind of hunker down, have a long term game plan. And I'm sure that is exactly what you're telling your clients. Hey, pardon the interruption. I know you are listening to Dollars and Cents, creating your fulfilled life with Nicole Romito, and we're happy you're here. If you have any questions, please head over to myprivatevista.com or the show notes to find out how to reach us. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah, I agree. I mean, we, we we pull the stats and we'll put together some visual pieces or, you know, um, from from different, you know, your team and um, other teams as well. And it's really educating on the clients on, you know what, this is normal. Down markets, recession, they're all part of your, you know, typical cycle. We don't know like how deep they'll go. We don't know how long they'll last, but we know that this is this is normal and it's to be expected. But I think too, just, um, you know, you had shared some stats about how, how few times the Fed has, has stuck this, this easy landing or soft landing. 
But I know we've had one too, just kind of showing on how often a recession occurs and then on average, how long it lasts. Mm -hmm. And that seems to really, I think, if you can somewhat quantify it, and we know history doesn't always repeat itself, but that does seem to help people kind of take their anxiety down a notch is, you know, this, this is normal. You know, we always say like the markets are forward looking, so they've already baked in what the feds doing or recession or things like that. So, you know, remember the markets, a forward looking indicator or a forward looking um, body. But yeah, I think just even pulling historical stats and showing people that it does help them to know, oh yeah, that you're right. This has happened before. And then just to kind of show the averages, even yeah. though, yeah, yeah. So no, no, it's part, no, no. And, and you, and you make a good point. And, and here's the thing. So why do we talk about the economy so much? Well, because uh, as the economy is, is, if it's an expansion, earnings go higher. If the economy is in contraction, earnings go lower. And the reason the markets are down this year is because they're anticipating the slowdown next year because Mm -hmm. of the higher rate environment. And that's going to lead to lower earnings estimates, even though they haven't come down just yet. So we're anticipating that because here's at the end of the day, right? It's And Larry Kudlow used to say this all the time. Profits are the mother milks of stocks. So if profits are going higher, stocks go higher. If profits are going lower, stocks go lower. Well, okay, you're now down 20% and you are, as you just mentioned, the market's a forward-looking indicator. And so we're already anticipating numbers coming down. Mm -hmm. And so I think a lot of bad news is out there. I think we have to just kind of take a step back. It's not a great year, but we just had three amazing years. And there is an alternative now, by the way, with higher interest rates in terms of not only just uh, equities. Now you can own some fixed income, especially short paper, uh, right. because you can get a four plus percent dividend yield, right? Or yield. And that's very comparable to dividend yields in the equity market. So there's that. You can also own cash, which, you know, is, is not terrific for the long term, but you can also get some money uh, get- on. Yeah, you can get paid while you're waiting. Yes, absolutely. And then one last thing I would say, and this kind of goes back to how I got involved in the equities markets. It wasn't just my bad experience cold calling. But (laughs) when I graduated college, my father had said, you know, what you need to do is you need to start investing. And I said, oh, dad, I'm not even making any any money to, to, to go buy, you know, chicken, let alone anything else here. (laughs) And he said, doesn't matter, you should really start to take money out every single month and dollar cost average and take a real cheap ETF at the time because you know you don't want to pay fees or whatever. Right. And I literally put in $25 a month when I after I graduated and I had and I happened to use Vanguard only because it was the low cost and it's and the S&P 500 and I just wanted something big and, and macro and big. Yep. So I did that and I have to say I had uh, Vanguard actually take the money directly out of my bank account because I know if I had to write the check I never would have done it. But it was interesting to start to build something, even though it was small, it was something. And to this day, my husband and I actually still do do some parts of dollar cost. Dollar cost averaging. Yep. Take the emotion out of it. And you're not saying, are the markets up or down or, oh, are we going to spend this on a vacation or our future? I have to laugh. I think our dads must have gone to the same school, if you will. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because mine too, I started out in banking and he said, okay, honey, you got to max out the 401k. Yeah, right. And then he goes, after that, you're going to take like you any amount you can. And he, I did the same thing. He goes, pick a mutual fund and just set it up. So it's automatically debited from your bank account. 
And um, yeah, I did that too. And it's, uh, we like to say, Stephanie, and you may too, it's like uh, compound interest, right? Yeah. The power of compounding is the eighth wonder of the world. That's awesome. And I love that. Yeah. Because sometimes people think, oh, I don't have a million dollars or a hundred thousand dollars or even, you know, a thousand dollars. Sure. Just get anything you can do. Time is your friend when it comes to investing. It's very true. And you know, the other thing, Nicole, is people say they buy low and sell high, but they don't. They buy <laughs> no, high and they sell don't. low, right? Let's, right. We look at all those fun flow reports and yes. yeah, we see they do the exact opposite. Yes. And so that's why dollar cost averaging makes so much sense. And in fact, in my portfolios, that I run, when I get money in, I tend to dollar cost average. And it's interesting because some people have done studies and and, that, and then have said it doesn't really make a big difference. But I think psychologically it does. So yes. that this way, you know, on, 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 you know, what it, whether it's for me, it, personally, I started out, I just did it every month. I didn't, I just said, take it out every month on the 25th of the month and that's fine. But for, you know, you and myself, we've done this for a long, long time. And when the markets are down, well, you've got to buy, you know, when when there's blood on the streets, right? When yes. people are so nervous, especially if you think in the long term, things are going to work. Itself. Yeah. If you've if you loved the company at uh, five hundred dollars a share, why wouldn't you love it more at, you know, four hundred, assuming the underlying fundamentals haven't changed? Yes. That's right. That's right. And you know what? Sometimes fundamentals change and that's okay too. You can make mistakes, but staying diversified, having equities, having now some fixed income, having a long-term game plan really makes makes the most sense. And even maybe even having some alternatives. We get a lot of questions regarding, you know, kind of the private side of investing as well. And I think that's an option in, in addition, uh, as yes. well as both here in the US as well as abroad. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we're we still are firm believers in asset allocation and diversification, but you know, from when I started out, which I can't believe is 30 years ago, um I don't know, I start right the old I started when I was 2. Um, <laughs> as I'm sure you did too, right? With yes. your, your little yes. cold call phone system. Um but you know, what what goes in the diversification, you know, we still do whatever the how much in in stocks or growth and then how much in bonds or your preservation but there's so many more like sub asset categories that we pull into our portfolios than there were i mean heck not even 30 years ago but even within the last 3 to 5 years yeah so i agree to your point you know there's there's a lot of opportunity outside of uh the us borders and there's also a lot of opportunity in the private markets as well you know, also the one 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 other thing to just to, to to make note of when the markets are down this much and you can get the number one or number two company in any given industry down something 20, 30 percent, but you know it's a high quality company, meaning it has dominant market share, amazing management teams, great free cash flow, great balance sheets, dividend growth, stock buying, stock buy buybacks, that sort of thing. You, this is actually something I learned from Jim Cramer many years ago. You don't have to go for the number three or four or fifth player when you get the number one player truly on sale that you know is going to be talk about compounder over the <laughs> years, right? They've had, they've, they've experienced that they are superior. And it's one of the reasons why they never quite get cheap enough, 
But when you can get these kinds of companies, it's like a, you, you have a, I have a field day. It's very hard to buy when everything is getting hit. But if you can just go out there and think of your favorite company that you use and, and uh, every day or you have experienced the company or the experience or whatnot, there is a, an, a, a, a very important lesson to be learned from Peter Lynch, who was a fidelity uh, portfolio manager back in the day, he right. said, invest in what you oh, know. Yeah. But if, you, if what you know is down 25% and 30%, well, heck, go and buy it, right? And that kind of thing. So these are kind of opportunities where you could upgrade a portfolio, especially on the equity side, but also on the fixed income side too. Yes, yes, absolutely. I mean, it's, we joke with my colleagues and, and stuff. It's like investments are the only thing that people do not like to buy on sale. <laughs> I'm sure you've heard that before. You know, we don't, we didn't claim to write it or anything, but yes. it's so true, right? Yes, a hundred percent true. And, uh, and again, over the long term, if you can get 7% each year on an average basis, that's a pretty good return over the long term. Absolutely. Because we do know while we are at high rates of inflation currently, that too is going to come down. We don't know when, but we know it will because that's going to cycle through and revert back to the mean. And so exactly, if you can get a 7% return, inflation goes back to maybe two and a half, three, three percent you're at a 4% real rate of return. And that's right. that's going to position and protect your purchasing power over the long term. Absolutely. It's these are challenging times. It's not no you know, doubt. The, the, I think if 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 these were if if the last three years, uh, excluding this year, the last three years uh, were were this easy, everybody would do this, right? It would be a piece of cake. But well, and you and I these, would be out of jobs. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but you know, so it's it's these challenging times when it gives you a, another chance. Uh, to talk to your clients and to talk to yes. people and to do webinars and to do some reading and do homework on some of the companies that and some of the things that are going on in the world and and just to kind of have a balance of 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 an opinion right to have a diversified portfolio that right. will that will save save you in the long term maybe not this year but definitely in the long term agreed agreed and um i mean i i know as we've been I re like when um, friends or clients will be like, oh, how are you doing? You know, you must be miserable. Work must be crazy. And I say, well, you know, we're, we're busy, but for our long, long-term, I mean, I have clients I've worked with for 20 plus years. So this yeah. isn't our first downturn. So, right, right. you know, and they might call and say, hey, Nicole, you know, we think we know what you're going to say, but we needed to hear it again. So I'll be like, what, what do you think I'm going to say? They say it. I'm like, yep, you're right. You know, you add on a couple, maybe a couple lines or two, you refresh them on what our investment teams are doing. And, you know, I said, this is your long-term money. We've got you set up. So fortunately, you don't need to, we don't need to be dipping into the, the portfolio while it's down. So, right. but right. you're right. I mean, people just, they want to know you're thinking about um, doing stuff or if you're not doing stuff, you have a reason and you're right. But this is the, this is the time when I feel as an advisor, I add the most value for my clients. Absolutely. Yeah. The, 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 like I said, the last three years, people thought that they could, they yep. could make a ton of money on their own that they didn't need you. Right. Right. And, right. And it's the challenging times where you really just have to stop and take a deep breath and, and uh, yeah. And talk to people like yourself who've been around for a very long time. And again, it's having that long-term perspective. I think that makes the, that makes the most sense for sure. Yeah, I do find it interesting that it is during the downtimes. And I mean, 
even though we're fully diversified, our, our portfolios are down, but you know, that's when clients are like, oh, I guess diversification still works, you know, because <laughs> like you said, outside of this year, the last three years, people are like, why would I diversify? I'm trailing the S&P or the Dow or pick your index or, you know, if you were anywhere outside of the big, you know, five to 10 tech companies, you know, you still made money, but certainly nowhere near to that degree. So, no, right. No, absolutely. This is not an easy, this is not an easy game. It's not even a game, but it's not no. an easy one. And uh, it's not an easy endeavor. And, and you just have to, you, you know, you just have to have the, the confidence that you're surrounding yourself with good people, smart people who have your best interests in at, at heart and, uh, and who can help navigate for you and to hold your hand. Everybody's allowed yes. to have their hands held, right? We're, we're, you know what? It doesn't matter how smart, how successful, how strong you are. We're all human beings with emotions. That's very true. That's yeah. a very, that's a very good point. That's a very good so, point. So, well, well, Stephanie, I could talk to you for hours, um, <laughs> but we we are at the end of our time. To wrap up, I mean, I think a, a couple of the tips that I jotted down are, and I love this one, and especially since you're on the TV, I too agree with your advice to turn off the TV, <laughs> uh, change your phone so you know your finance sites aren't the first thing popping up, because yeah. if you're investing, it should be for the long term. Yeah. I also love too, though, that you said, if you still believe, you know, you can buy companies that are maybe number one or number two in their area or industry, and you can get them at a really good price right now. So you're not having to sacrifice quality to be able to buy at a better price. Mm -hmm. And then I think too, you know, like you said, just let's keep an eye out on what the job market reports are doing, because that looks like that's, that's the key indicator, one of the key indicators you're watching. Yeah. And then before we wrap up, you know, as you mentioned, and I think we, like I said, had similar upbringing where our dads uh, raised us to be strong, independent women, and we both ended up in finance. Um, for for some of our younger women listeners out there, any other, you know, tips or things to check out or encouragement of of why we've we've made strides as females in this industry, both while you and I have been doing this, I think. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I feel like we have a lot of work or a long way to go still. But any like, I don't know, in words of encouragement or tips or ideas that we could share with some of our uh, other women out there who are listening to this of why consider a career in the financial services industry? Well, uh, first, it can make you ind independently financial, financially sound, right? I, I don't know you know, I'm not going to say a, give out a number or throw out a number, but sure. if you work hard, uh, you certainly can get paid. And to yes. have that financial independence, I think, is so incredibly powerful. And that's one of the the pieces of advice that my father gave to me after I graduated. He he didn't really care what it was. As I said, he wanted me to be happy, but he also wanted me to be financially independent. So that is very important. And I think you can find a lot of various different pieces within the financial services community where there's flexibility, maybe not in the first few years, you always have to work super hard and, and right. that sort of thing. But Put your you know, now in. that you can do a hybrid kind of from home, from the office and that sort of thing, it's certainly very doable. But so you have the you have the flexibility, you have the potential to be financially independent, and it's very rewarding. I mean, I I, I don't know about you, Nicole, but I and I'm I bet I bet you would agree with this. I learn something new every day, and I've been doing oh, this thirty years, just like absolutely. you. Absolutely, right? yes. So, 
And that to me is something that is so fun. It's really fun because it, it, there's never a dull day. There's never a day where you wake up and it's just going to go status quo. It really, it's very, <laughs> and, and honestly, this year, I would love to have just one of those days. Right. I know. So, <laughs> so I would say, so, that, so I think that there's a lot of options within the financial services community. Number two, I think there are firms that really do want to embrace having diversity. And yes. so there are more, I think there are more opportunities now than maybe when you and I were first looking for, 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 for employment in this, in, in this true. industry. And then, and then I would say find a mentor. Uh, I was very, very lucky throughout my career to have had mentors. Uh, when I first got that job, my very first job, when I talk, told you about the, this, the running episode yes. and conversation, yes. I had two very experienced senior uh, institutional salespeople that I sat literally next to on a trading desk for six years, and they just taught me stuff. And I learned and I observed from them. And they, they really, they really went out of their way to help guide me because what what you don't realize is when you're brand new at a, at a, at a company, uh, you're slowly building your reputation, but you also need advocates for you. Yes, right? And you need yes. people that are going to go to the senior management and say, hey, Nicole's really awesome. You know, she's young and new and all that, but she has what it takes to be successful. And you need those kinds of people. And in addition, you need mentors to help guide you into where is the path. Because right. I, I don't know about you, but I never would have thought I would be here 30 years ago. Um, but it was such an interesting dynamic to have not just those two as my mentors, but then when I left and went to another firm, I had another mentor. And then when I went to work with Jim, he has he became a mentor. And so I've I've been very, very fortunate. And I just say seek out people. Be proactive and try to find people that can help you. And it can be men, it could be women, it could be anything. It could be someone who's a lot older, someone who's even maybe younger. You have a lot of people that you can at your disposal that you can that you can choose to build around your nest. And that's really important for your career and for your mental health as well. Uh, agreed. Agreed. And I, the one of the words that jumped out of what you just said is, is you need to be proactive. Yeah. Um, I, I too have been very blessed with, um, a variety of sponsors, advocates and mentors. And I agree. It does not always need to be the same gender as you, um, or same age. And sometimes, uh, it's better if they're not, because then yeah. you can learn from them, right? I know from our younger team members, I'm learning stuff from them all the time. So yes, I, I agree. You need to, you need to be proactive about it. Put yourself out there and don't be afraid to ask more, more often than not. People are willing to share their time and experience yes. um, to, to help you out. Absolutely. Absolutely. So. And it's very rewarding to, to it have to, to find mentors, friends, coaches, people that can help guide. It's very satisfying. It's it's very comforting that you could go to someone when things are not so great or when things are so great. Right. Exactly. So, so this exactly. is uh yeah, that's that's the number one I tell everyone when I meet them. Not only do that, I start I ask them in interviews, not only now now do I start asking them what do they like to do? <laughs> like I was asked many, many Right, years exactly. Ago. I also very much like to to tell them that mentorship is a very important piece to the success component. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for sharing uh, those insights as well, which I think are equally, if not more, well, I'll say equally as valuable as your insights that you've shared with us about the markets and the world at large. 
Before we go ahead and wrap up, there's a question, Stephanie, that I ask all my guests. Where would you most like to live and why? And you could just assume like no constraints whatsoever. And uh, there, there is no wrong answer. Well, that's kind of hard. So I would love, I have been a very big fan of, um, of Europe for Ooh. many years. In fact, my husband, uh, 20 years ago, first started to go to Paris for the week between Christmas and we would stay for Christmas Eve and then leave uh, the, the, the next day after. As you know, in our business, it, things slow down that week. And that was the one week where I felt like I could get away, even though laptop comes with me everywhere anyway. But of course, um, <laughs> but I, I, I really genuinely love history. And oh, if I if, if there was money to be place made for in, that, if, if there is if there is money to be made in, in if there was money to be made in being a historian, I would have probably done that because I really enjoy it. But um, I do love it as a side um, uh, adventure. Uh, and my husband and I have been going not only to Paris, but throughout Europe for the last uh, 20 some odd years. And my daughter, uh, when she was first born, when she was six months, we took her to Portugal and she, oh. well, she didn't really understand what was going on there. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but even, but now she's even looking forward, she's now 15 and she's now even looking forward to, to going to our, do our trips that we do every year. So we're very fortunate that we, we get to go and we, we get to to spend time with the not only the historic sites, but the food and um and the people and the culture. Yes. It's really just a lot of fun. So that would be my that would be my place. Oh, that sounds phenomenal. Uh that sounds great. I was just in Portugal earlier this year. So oh, nice. big nice. fan. Big oh, fan. Awesome, great right? country. Yeah. Um, wonderful people. Oh yes, absolutely. Good food too. <laughs> yeah, oh my gosh. Yes. Absolutely. All right. Well thank you. Thank you for sharing your time, your stories, your experience, um, your thoughts, um, you know, kind of on the world at large, really appreciate you taking the time out to, uh, talk, talk with us and share this with our listeners. So it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me. Oh, you're very welcome. Take care. All right. I just want to jump in real quick before we wrap this up, Stephanie, I know that people can find you on LinkedIn, correct? Yes, they can. Stephanie underscore link is the handle for sure. Perfect. All right. Well, I encourage every listener to connect with Stephanie on LinkedIn. That would be fantastic. Nicole, great interview. Great job today. I love the fact that you wove in quotes from Warren Buffett and the Fisher Price retro chatter phone. I mean, that's, uh, <laughs> that's all I was picturing, the little phone with the red handle. And now right? Stephanie's on there at two years old, making cold calls and having conference calls with Warren. So it's pretty amazing stuff. Again, thank you both for doing the podcast today. I learned a ton. I know the listening audience did as well. And of course, our last thank you is for you, the listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Dollars and Cents podcast with Nicole Romito. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Nicole comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. And we humbly ask that you share this podcast, rate it, and leave a review as this actually does help others find the show. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Private Vista, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Dollars and Cents, Creating Your Fulfilled Life with Nicole Romito, sponsored by Private Vista. Visit our website at www.myprivatevista.com or give us a call at 312-831-4370. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Private Vista is a group comprised of investment professionals registered with Hightower Advisors, LLC an SEC-registered investment advisor. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors, LLC.
This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free of risk, and there is no guarantee that the investment process or the investment opportunities referenced herein will be profitable. Past performance is neither indicative nor a guarantee of future results. The investment opportunities referenced herein may not be suitable for all investors. All data or other information referenced herein is from sources believed to be reliable. Any opinions, news, research, analyses, prices, or other data or information contained in this presentation is provided as general market commentary and does not constitute investment advice. Private Vista and Hightower Advisors, LLC, or any of its affiliates make no representations or warranties expressed or implied as to the accuracy or completeness of the information or for statements or errors or omissions, or results obtained from the use of this information. Private Vista and Hightower Advisors, LLC, assume no liability for action made or taken in reliance on or relating in any way to this information. The information is provided as of the date referenced. Such data and other information are subject to changes without notice. This was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed herein are solely those of the authors and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors, LLC, or any of its affiliates.